Welcome to Hardcore Penn State Football. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. It has been just over a month since the last time we spoke with you. Hope your summer's off to a good start. It definitely is for Sean and I. We have a lot to catch up with, a lot to talk about. Penn State released all of their themes for, for this fall's football games, as well as a lot of times have been released as well. Have four new commits to talk about as we hit official visit season. And then a couple other things to tie up loose ends and whatnot. So very excited to get into the show. Glad to have you back. State football. I'm Corey Lestoki. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Feeling great on this hump day, Corey. How are you? I'm feeling fine, drinking wine, doing time. Um, feeling good. It, it's nice to hear your voice. It's been I know. a minute. I know. It's it's been it's, it's been a long time. I mean, a month. Like when you're doing this weekly and then during the football season twice a week it just becomes part of your routine so uh i've missed it we're i'm happy to be back and a lot has happened in both of our personal lives in the past month so um and Penn State, Penn you know State it's funny that uh, does not stop so no Penn State football news definitely doesn't stop um just podcasts only until I move into my new house in July. So we will be podcast only until then. I know actually one person reached out to us on Twitter and was like, hey, I don't see it on YouTube because it shows up on YouTube before we start the live show. Um, we will not be live on YouTube until July. Just uh, we're, we're happy that we have the connection that we do at the moment. So uh, I don't think we'd be able to publish a live show um, with my current Wi-Fi, but we do have Wi-Fi, and that is a blessing, and we're, we're talking. We're doing this, so let's, let's get right into it. Um, Sean, I like the way that you said this <laughs> before we started because, um, I mean, it's just funny that uh, for those that did not see on Twitter that 
Sean and I are both in are both engaged. We, Sean, I guess boy, over a month now, oh, close to a month. Yeah, May sixth. Three weeks. Yeah, so May sixth. So uh, May sixth. Um, oh, month and a day. Month and a day. A month and a day. Um, and then I was May twenty something. I don't know if that's an important date or twenty third. I think twenty third. Um, <laughs> yeah, you better. Learn but very important time. to note. <laughs> Better to uh, to note that we are not engaged to each other. <laughs> we are not. Yes, we're but we both got engaged over the break and not to each other. But I'm still very happy for Corey, and I am happy for myself to be engaged to a wonderful person like Kristen. So, and Corey gets to be engaged to Maddie, who is an awesome person as well. So, shout out to the fiancés. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I just kind of saw what you did and thought, you know what, it's a uh, copycat league. Uh, yep, yep, and I went, I went first, so, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying you're like, you, you pulled out the trot line formation before we see a bunch of other teams run the trot line formation this fall? Is that what you're saying? That, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm a real trendsetter. Okay, so to make sure we're on the same page there. Yeah. Yep, that's a good way um, to put it. Have you done anything fun? Obviously, I've been bragging about some of the fun. And the bragging has just begun, by the way. Um, but obviously, people know that I was in Scotland and Ireland for, for a week each, and I had a blast over there. It was, it was fantastic. Have you been Have you been had a chance to get away, do anything fun lately? No, I've just been working. I'm uh, just working for the government right now. So, I was working for um, Uncle Sam? Working for Uncle Sam, so thank you, everybody listening in the United States, for helping to pay my paycheck the, this the, these past this past month. Um, very appreciative. Um, but that that's really about it, you know. Got engaged. We've been doing some light wedding planning. Um, yeah, and I saw uh, our good fall. friends out. I oh. saw our good friends out and Mike last night too. What was that? So you're gonna. Well, When's the wedding gonna be? Uh, I it's not gonna be in the fall. Don't worry. We we do things. We we know how to do things around here. Uh, I'm planning it for uh April or, or May or June, uh, 2025. Gotcha, gotcha. About yeah, you? no, it will not be a fall wedding. It it will not be a fall wedding for me either. I don't. You know, I think we're trying to get it. I mean, we'll see. We haven't obviously chosen a venue or anything yet, but um. Yeah, neither have we. The date isn't nearly as important to us as much as like we kind of want to get it. We kind of want to get married earlier, and so if we can get it by next August and get our ducks in a row, I think we're going to try to do it next August, oh. which would be 2024. But nice. I mean, you kind of have a deadline because if you don't get it by August, I mean, then then the football season starts, hunting season starts, etc., and you know that, that there goes the rest of the year. So. You, Based on when the engagements start, we kind of gave ourselves a short time period to turn this around. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, if you could jump on it, you know, quick. Uh, and that's what I mean, that's what we're trying to do, too. I don't I think we'll be good for two years, uh, but, you know, you, you'll probably be all right. Um, speaking of scheduling, 
We got a lot of scheduling news, Sean. Um, I want to say... And we're going to get more tomorrow. Say, was it last week? Two weeks ago? Um, yes, yes, yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. Well, how do we talk about that first? Because that's just a brief little thing. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast previously, I, I threw the nugget at the end of an episode. So if you didn't listen to all the episodes all the way through, you may have missed it. But we mentioned, we talked a little bit about the Big Ten Conference, and I had told you that I had a source that had told me that the divisions were all but gone. And there was still conversation on whether or not there's going to be one protected rival, two protected rivals, or three protected rivals. I have been keep hearing three is kind of the winning argument at the moment. and But all three of them are still in debate, according to Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic. But if you were listening on the pod, I guess that was probably almost two months ago, Sean. We dropped that little nugget in at the end, and you would already know that. So anyway, those those plans are expected to be released tomorrow. So uh, or today, depending on when you're listening. And so we'll know for sure. I don't. Are they literally going to tell us the schedule, like the protected rivalry, Sean? Are they just going to say like what their plan, like which format they're going to go with? From what I, from how I read it, it looks like they're going to give us, you know, the whole enchilada tomorrow. Uh, they're going to give us the schedule. And they're going to do the division breakdown. At least that's the way I read it. So that's going to be awesome. And it kind of makes sense well, to just drop well, it all but, at but once. There won't be a, yeah. But there won't be a division breakdown. But yes. Well, yeah, there's not going to be a division. Well, yeah, I meant to say the protected rivalries. Yep. So, yes. I mean, I think they're just going to do it all tomorrow. So 4.30, I'll still be working. I work, I work 9 to 5.30, but... I'll be um don't don't tell the government, but I'll be looking at my phone, following along. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm with you there. Um, I might be fishing at that point. We'll see. Might be um, okay. might be trying to fish at least at that point. <laughs> yeah. The uh the beauty of start, getting to start kind of early or start whenever you want, so you can go do things later. It's probably the now, best part of my job sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm be, be curious, Sean. Right now, like, if you had a pick, from what I had heard, and we talked about this the last time we just, we discussed this, was Ohio State was likely not going to be a protected rival for Penn State, and that was kind of a surprise to a lot of people. But really, we don't think Michigan or Ohio State are going to be protected rivals. Now, do I ever see a schedule where Penn State avoids both Ohio State and Michigan? No. But as far as protected rivals go, I don't think Penn State's going to get either of them. From what we had heard, we think we're, they're going to get one of the, the West Coast schools in USC or UCLA. We think they're going to get one of Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. And then we think they're going to get at least one of um, Maryland and Rutgers. Now, you could argue that might get Maryland, Rutgers, and Michigan State, but I'm pretty sure you're going to get a West Coast school for Penn State. Um, so yeah. that's that's kind of what we've heard so far. So that doesn't really leave a lot of room for Ohio State or for Michigan or Wisconsin or in Iowa. Um, so I guess my bet, if I had a bet right now, Sean, is I would probably – because I we, we heard USC with Ohio State quite a bit. So – as much as I would like to see USC and Lincoln Riley versus Penn State and James Franklin, I think I'm going to say UCLA, Michigan State, 
and Maryland. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean, that very well could be. Uh, and, you know, you kind of have to think about it from Ohio State's perspective. And look, I get it. They've dominated the Big Ten uh, for the better part of 20 years now. But it would be a tall task for them to play Penn State and Michigan every year on a yearly basis. Uh, I know they do it now, but it would be a little... And perhaps you know, USC. And, yeah, USC. I mean, that's three. You're going to be playing, uh, you know, one, three, and four in the Big Ten. Or two, three, and four. All depends on two of the top, three of the top four teams. Uh, and, frankly, I just don't think that's very fair. Uh, and... It would be the same thing with Michigan. So it kind of makes sense that Penn State would be the odd team out there because they have their stupid rivalry, and it's not a stupid rivalry, but I hate them. Um, And Penn State then, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to play USC. Uh, They're two of the top four teams going into 2024, I'd have to imagine. Uh, So I think it would make a lot of sense for Penn State to play USC. I would like to see realistically uh, USC, Michigan State, and Maryland. So, but I'd be fine with UCLA too, because I think as long as Chip Kelly's there, they're going to be really good. So, well, good to really good. Yeah, they just got a really good quarterback that they just poached yep. from Oregon. So they got a five-star quarterback at UCLA. So, I mean, take that for what you will. Um, let's talk Penn State schedule, because I think this is actually going to take up the meat of the episode today, because we have some discussions that we have intertwined with this schedule. But I think, Sean, I'm just going to read off the schedule so far and kind of what we know and then we can go from there. Um, so September 2nd, West Virginia at home is the helmet stripe game. It is officially a 7.30 kick on NBC. Then the next week, September 9th, is Delaware. That's a noon kick, and it's only going to be on Peacock, which I believe is $19.99 for, the, for an annual subscription, um, or just be there in person. Um, like, I plan to be there. Mm-hmm. Then you might have to correct me, Sean. Here is is Illinois is somewhere in there on the road. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I think I think it is. Yeah. Is that September sixteenth? I think it yes. is. Yes. So that Illinois September sixteenth. That is officially a Fox uh, noon big kickoff. Fox big kickoff. Big noon kickoff. Whatever big the heck kickoff. the yeah. right way order of those words are. Um, so that will be a big new kickoff, and we'll get into that conversation because I think there's a little bit of a conversation there. And then Penn State comes back home on September 23rd versus Iowa in officially the whiteout. Oh, I should mention the, the Delaware game is the Thon game. Um, the Iowa game is the officially the whiteout. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. That will be on CBS. It was originally 8.30. Now it is 7.30. So 7.30 CBS, Iowa. October 14th, UMass is the Generations of Greatness homecoming game. That's already at 3.30, but the network has not been decided yet. October 28th, Indiana Military Appreciation. Uh, No time or network for that yet. 
November 11th, Michigan is a stripe-out game. That is also a big noon kickoff. November 18th, Rutgers is the All-U Day at home. And then Penn State will finish the season November 24th at Ford Field against Michigan State on Black Friday, 7.30 p.m. on NBC. And um, that will be the first time Penn State has played probably on Black Friday since they played Pitt, probably, would be my guess. Yeah, I would think so, yeah. I, I think at some point in the late 80s, they started playing Notre Dame uh, last game of the year. Uh, maybe one of those was, was on Black Friday, but um, I know all the pick games, uh, they always were on Black Friday. So that's pretty, I think, and we'll get into it, but I kind of think it's kind of cool. Yeah, well, let's start at the top of the season, obviously, West Virginia. Yep. Do you like the... Um, What's the, the the loophole, if you will, to basically another whiteout game using the helmet stripe? What what, what are your thoughts on the helmet stripe, Sean? Um, it's like another whiteout. It really is. I was at the only other stripe or helmet stripe game, and it was Michigan twenty twenty one. What game was that? Michigan twenty twenty one. So it was uh, yeah the. Etiquette strip McNamara and you know, but we didn't win. Spoiler, and um, yeah, I, 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 it kind of felt like a whiteout, but it was cold, and you know, a lot of people were in winter jackets, and we already had three losses, so it's not like we were playing for much, so there wasn't as much juice. I have a feeling there'll be a lot of juice in the stadium for this one. There's a lot of there's a lot of good feeling around the team, um. And it's uh, renewing an old rivalry. So I do think there'll be some good vibes. Uh, is it kind of a cheeky way to get another whiteout game in? Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Personally, now this is where me and Corey might part ways uh, a lot of it. I would have made this the whiteout game because I, I, th- I don't think I was that much to worry about. And, we have West Virginia, uh, old old rival, and still going to be a night game, going to be the first game of the season. I just think it would be unique to have a whiteout game against them, but I have a feeling I have some disagreement from my co-host. Yeah, well, we had this debate, I guess, was like probably like three, four months ago. Um, I Just from the standpoint of, of skill, I think Iowa is a better football team than West Virginia. I I haven't dug deep into either team yet, which which we'll get into. I know we said June originally, but I think it's going to end up being more July. It's just just the way it is. But um, and then when we get into July, we're going to be hitting the ground really hard. Just so everybody knows, like we got where we got a lot to do in July. Um. But I think Iowa is a slightly better team, and and I think maybe they do improve a little bit at the quarterback position, which you need some sort of quarterbacking play in order to be in a wideout, just have a chance. So we'll see. Um, And then you couple in everything else, and and that's when it's it's obvious for me because you know how I feel about Iowa. Um, 
I saw this guy with an Iowa hat when I was in Ireland, and it pissed me off. Um, I think that night's going to be really electric, Sean. I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think West Virginia helmet stripe in the night atmosphere and the optimism that which comes with the season opener, I totally get that. But I think you're going to have that energy anyway. And to a certain degree, I think you're going to have that energy anyway with Iowa. But I really think Penn State wants to put their best foot forward to, from not even like an administrative perspective, but from a fan perspective. Like fans want to squash Iowa any way possible. I'm not kidding you. I think the Iowa game might be one of the loudest games in Beaver Stadium history. Like, I, I, there are vindictive fans worse than me out there that think nothing of them um, and what their fans did the last time Penn State was out there and, and the mocking of the injuries and then blaming Penn State for faking the injuries. I mean, it's a big ordeal. And you know, you know James Franklin is thinking about it, too. Um, he, this is a game where he would 100% ice the kicker to preserve the shutout kind of game. Like, poor Georgia State. But if, if he has the opportunity to do that to Kirk Ferentz, like, he will do it. Um, the energy for that for that whiteout game on September 23rd, it, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be my first whiteout game back for a while. Um so I'm going to be jacked up. It's going to be a fantastic time. Um, same with the West Virginia game as far as people. I know – I don't know, Sean. Are you going to be able to make it for the West Virginia game? I don't know yet. Don't know. Possibly. A lot of a lot of people are already – like I had some family my, – one of my cousins already reached out to me. And she was asking if, if I was going to be there. She might, she might come and bring her mom. And So I, I feel like people are already trying to, like, get in for this game. And – with the amount of excitement carried in the offseason, like it's it's gonna be a fun game to be at. I always recommend season openers, regardless of the opponent, because of the level of optimism, right? You're you're you haven't lost the game yet, you don't know what to expect, and you so you most of us are at least being positive about it. So yeah. um that would oh, be yeah. a fun atmosphere as well. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Go to home openers. Uh, I think I've been to everyone since twenty fifteen with the exception of the COVID year. Always fun for that reason. Right. The optimism. Right. I, I do want to mention I, I did want to mention the Delaware game because this is the first time that it will not Penn State will not be on like a national broadcast in probably a some some long time. Only on Peacock. I mean they they've done this Peacock thing for, for Notre Dame games. Um this is probably not going away now with NBC and company getting more games. So you would probably expect to see at least one Peacock game a year probably moving forward. What are your thoughts on it, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I understand why people are upset um, because it's just something new and it's something more to pay for. And, yeah, like if you have a cable bill already – some of these cables, people are paying 300 plus your cable, and then you're having them pay another 20 bucks uh, to get Peacock. And I understand people being frustrated by that. Uh, personally, I don't mind as much uh, be, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I already have Peacock, full disclosure. And uh, number two, um, it's just the way it's going to be in the future. I mean, you can't really fight the way that, uh, you know, cable is 
maybe slowly going away. And I think at some point in time, everything will be streaming. And that's just kind of the way of the future. And you kind of either get with the future now or you're going to get with it later. So, but at the same time, I totally understand why fans would be like, why are we going on Peacock? Because it does kind of suck for a lot of fans. So I, I get the frustration, but personally, I don't mind. I don't mind that part of the schedule that much. I'm a peacock. You gotta let me fly. Um, yeah, I, I would just say this: go over to a friend's house to watch the game. You got five people over there. It costs you four dollars to watch the game. Whoever the lucky person that hosts is and has to clean their toilet, they get peacock for the whole year. Congratulations to them. Um, you can't have it both ways. If you want, you know, the Big Ten to make a bunch of money, you want the players to make money, you want the players to have the best field and facilities, and you want improvements to your fan experience. You kind of have I mean, this is the way, so to speak. So whether you like it or not, which I don't really, but. Um, it is what it is. Like I said, Thon game as well. UMass kind of stinks that it's a Generations of Greatness game and those with the uniforms. I thought somebody on Twitter like a while back said something like, I wish like the the, the uniforms were used for the whiteout instead of just necessarily the homecoming game. But, I mean, that's kind of the point of homecoming to a certain degree. So I, I get why it is the way it is. But, yeah, wasting the uniforms, so to speak, on UMass. Yeah from a fan perspective, kind of sticks. But you could argue it's a way to get the team up for UMass, right? I mean, people are like, the players probably going to be harder to focus that week knowing they're playing UMass. However, you get to look really pretty and cool and different. You get to wear white cleats for Pete's sake. That might be a motivational tool there as well to to get the, the fellows up for the game, especially since all focus is going to be on Ohio State which is coming up the week after that on the 21st. So maybe a little bit of a, you know, look good, play good thing, because we know you're going to be kind of focused on the Buckeyes anyway. That's a good point. I didn't even really think of that because my first reaction was, yeah, we're kind of wasting it, but I guess it is a decent way to focus the guys in, you know, pounding the tire out of UMass um, uh, and getting some good work out of it. Um I kind of think it would have made a big, uh, it would have made a lot of sense to do it for the West Virginia game because they're an old rival. And same thing with when we played Pitt a few years ago. I kind of think it would have been cool to uh, contrast Penn State's old uniforms with uh, Pitt's old uniforms that they wore. Well, now now they're their current uniforms, but they were uh, same colors that they wore back in the day when we played them in 2019 at home. So. Uh, and 2017 at, and 2017 at home. So I might have done that. I might have done that, but I'm not gonna raise holy hell over the generations of greatness game being UMass. You know, a long time ago, Michigan and Notre Dame played each other, and they wore their throwback uniforms. And then I think the officials yeah. even wore like throwback official stuff too. That was actually a really cool day. And then. I think yeah, it was a great game. Stadium, I think to make it. Yeah, it was a good game. Um, was that was Brian Kelly still 
the coach? Oh yeah. Or yeah. was he was he the coach at that point? Yeah, Kelly just left. The what was it early? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm saying like, Kelly got but there he had in been like there. Oh nine, yeah. Yeah, okay. and I was in college okay, yeah, during yeah. that game. I remember. Was that was that back. against Hope? I think it was against Hope. Yeah, that was I, the Hope. Any Hope, right? Any Hope days. Yep. I right. I wish they I wish they kept that, them. Oh. That wasn't Denard Robinson, was it? No, that was Devin Gardner. Oh. Devin Gardner, okay. Was gosh, I'm trying to think of the quarterback for Notre Dame. It wasn't Kaiser, was it? Uh, he might have been there, but no, I, don't I don't think, think it was, was the main Kaiser. guy. They had like a skinnier guy. Was it Everett Golson? That's who it was. Yeah. That's who it was. Yeah. He was pretty good. Forgot about that guy. Anyway. Yeah, he was he was he was okay. He was all right. Um but yeah, that would have been that have been a cool idea too. But um, that is a three thirty game. I, I October fourteenth, three thirty. That seems like a like it's gonna be a beautiful day and I just I just have a feeling it's either gonna be a really beautiful day or it's gonna be an awful day. But I have a feeling it's gonna be a beautiful day. October fourteenth, three thirty, lock it in. The best day of that's that's what I'm thinking. That's that's uh, fall and state uh, college. I, I it could think, be beautiful, it could be horrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Higgins has a wedding that day. I don't know if that's off topic. Yeah, that's, Higgins, that's, but I think he said he's going to miss that day. I think he did too. Yeah, I don't think they're going to that one. Which, anytime you're missing a 330 kick, that to me is, I mean, missing a Penn State football game in general stinks, but missing a 330 kick, that's that, that really is tough. Um, October 28th, Indiana, we don't know the time yet. Um, and don't have much to say about Indiana. Uh, Michigan, stripe out, Sean. Fox Doom kick. We kind of knew that was probably going to be the case anyway. Uh, I, what, what are your thoughts on the stripe out with the noon kick? You okay with that? All right, I got thoughts on this one. So, uh, first off, in an ideal world, a perfect world, a world that I know doesn't exist, this would be the whiteout game. You're gonna, it's a potential top five matchup. If we beat Ohio State, we're undefeated going into Michigan. I'm about 95% sure if if we beat Ohio State. Michigan's probably going to be undefeated going in. So that's a it, – it might be a top two matchup. You never know how things are going to shake out. At Beaver Stadium, at one of the best atmospheres in college football, at one of the greatest stadiums in college football, and you're going to put it at noon – and not even have a whiteout. Now, I understand not having a noon whiteout. I get that. But, man, Fox has to go put it at noon. And basically, that takes the whiteout right out of right out of consideration. Like, you're not going to put a noon game in the middle of November as the whiteout, at least most years. I just think, I, I think that's a travesty. Why would, why would you put it at, well, I do know why. And, look, this is part... This is part of what the Big Ten has gotten itself into. And, I mean, I get it from a financial perspective. I do. But when you make everything about money, this these are the kind of results you get. You get a noon start for a matchup that could be for the Big Ten, for the, for the Big Ten East. And if you win that game, you might click your ticket to, a, uh, to the playoffs. 
And I just don't think that's the way it should be. And now people will say, oh, well, for the first 90 years of college football, every game was that man. I, I don't care. I, I don't like we're in the year 2023. Every stadium has lights. This, this isn't Ohio state versus Michigan. This is not Texas versus Oklahoma uh, where they, you know, they played for a hundred years at noon that I get, I get having those games at noon. Penn state has its own traditions. And one of our traditions is the whiteout and having the biggest game of the year and the biggest game of the year, maybe the biggest game could be in in a decade or two, that's got to be a night game. At least that's the way I feel about it. Floor is yours, Mr. Mistoki. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Um, the whole thing with Fox, right? I mean, yeah, they're, they're kicking the living crap out of the 12 o'clock slot with the Fox noon kick. So I get it. However, there is a fundamental part of growing the fan base and growing your your audience. And you could argue an opportunity to have the the whiteout one versus two um, atmosphere would grow your fan base, grow college football. That would actually the investment would be worth more than just absolutely dominating the 12 o'clock slot. It, Michigan, Penn State dominate whatever slot they get anyway, and and again you have an opportunity. The whiteout is so picturesque that it literally makes fans, and so you have an opportunity to, to perhaps invest in college football a little bit for the long run instead of wasting them on new. You, you make a buck now versus maybe a couple bucks later. That, that's the only thought I have on it. Otherwise, I totally agree with what you're saying. Sure. Um, I, I, I do say this about the people that are like, oh, it should be Ohio State, Michigan every year. I disagree with that. I, I'm actually okay. I liked the Minnesota last year. I like it being Iowa this year. I thought it was cool they had it for Auburn. I thought from someone who lived – in Auburn at the time, it was an excellent opportunity to showcase the whiteout to a, a brand new audience. So I, I'm against the people that are like Ohio State, Michigan, back and forth every time. Are there going to be opportunities later for Ohio State or Michigan? Or maybe that's the best part about losing divisions, right? Maybe it's going to be a UCLA. Maybe it's going to be a USC. Like, we don't know how that's going to happen moving forward, which I like because there was a pattern there where it was back and forth, back and forth between those two schools. So I, I'm I'm for mixing it up in the diversification. I don't think if I had to choose between it being against the best opponent or being at night, I'm choosing night every time. And I don't think everybody always agrees with that. And I, I'm to be honest with you, I'm not really sure why, because the Ohio State game had plenty great atmosphere, was plenty loud, um, and wasn't a whiteout last year. So uh, I, I think yeah. the energy can get there for the big games regardless. Yeah, the energy is definitely going to be there, no doubt about it. But um, I just that there's a certain magic of the whiteout. There just is. And yeah, I don't think it should necessarily just be Ohio State, Michigan every other year. But I would remind fans, it hasn't been Ohio State or Michigan since 2019. And it's 2023, and we're not going to have it again this year for Ohio State, Michigan. 
So it's not like it's every year like that's written in stone. I mean, we had it for Minnesota last year. So I'm all right with mixing it up once in a while. But I just think when you have, and, you know, I get not wanting to have it at noon. But that's kind of the issue, isn't it? That game shouldn't be at noon. And then people go, oh, but it'll be cold in the stadium in November. Oh, like it is for the Eagles, for the Steelers, for the Giants, for the Patriots, for the Jets, even though they don't play big games, but the Jets, uh, the Ravens. Yeah, this is this is what it is. You don't think our fans are passionate enough to be able to get over some cold weather? We'll go buy a white coat, and you're good. I know our fans. Our fans will not be intimidated by a little bit of cold if it's a top if it's a top four matchup. And look, I'm a guy who doesn't you know I I, I, I like I consider football weather to be in the sixties. I'm a bit of a wimp when it comes to not-so-great weather. Would I be able to get over it for a top-five matchup with Michigan? Hell yeah, I would. And I think a lot of fans think that way. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think we're on the same page here. It's just, uh, yeah, it is what it is. I, I, I'm happy. I would have taken West Virginia or Iowa over Michigan, knowing, of course, that it's a Fox Doom kickoff. Um with all due respect to Rutgers, I'm not going to talk anymore about Rutgers. I do want to get to November 24th, the Michigan State game. Sean, I think we're both in agreement here. Penn State dodged a bullet with Penn State playing at Ford Field indoors on Black Friday. Um, speaking of the last two or three times that Penn State's been out there, it's been snow and rain and lightning delays and everything else the, the last three times they've been there they've had really poor weather in one way shape or form or another and uh and tough games which penn state only won one of those in the last three visits i believe um i think that's right it's regardless there's been some awful franklin michigan state games out there um and penn state's going to get to play indoors presumably with an offense that is going to be more high octane than Michigan State's. And they're going to get to get out of East Lansing. I mean, this is just a dream come true, Sean, to end the season this way, too. I mean, I can't think of anything better than this. This is like, I don't know who agreed to it on the Michigan State side, but, I mean, this is crazy to me. I mean, Absolutely nuts. You know Penn State's probably going to try to play faster than you. I, I am just absolutely shocked by this, Sean. And, and maybe Michigan State surprises me. But all of a sudden, the Michigan State game, in my opinion, I, I have way cooled off of being concerned about it. Like, you used to sweat going into every East Lansing game because for whatever reason, Penn State had bad voodoo out there. Um, even going back to when Kirk Cousins was out there. Uh, you know, I mean, they they made Brian Lewerke look pretty good a couple of times. They made a lot of other random Michigan State court. They made Connor Cook look really good. Um, 
this is this is a dream come true, Sean. I I just can't get over that. This when this happened, I was like, I don't know what country I was in, but I was like, is this real? <laughs> like, are do they seriously just do this? So, in my opinion, this game just went from like I thought maybe like a seventy percent, sixty five percent win, to like I'm feeling eighty eighty five percent confident now in this game. Yeah, you really wonder why Michigan State would agree to something like this. Um, you know, historically, East Lansing has been a house of horrors for Penn State. Uh, the weather is always awful. And like Corey said, uh, Penn State, sh- at, at least on paper, they should have a pretty high-octane offense, especially by the last game of the regular season. You know, if you don't have kinks worked out by then, you're just not going to work them out. Uh, so we're going to probably have, barring injury, the best version of ourselves. And you're going to put it indoors? <laughs> I mean, it just, I, I don't think it makes any sense from Michigan State's perspective. Uh, but I'll take it, and I'm happy about it. I think it's another example, though, of certain schools doing, quote-unquote, what's best for the Big Ten. And, you know, just kind of making sacrifices for the conference. I don't really get why, but, I mean, I think this is an example of it. Supposedly, Michigan State and Penn State, uh, or Penn State wasn't told that they were playing on Black Friday. So that's a big, that, that's a big uh, sticking point with a, lot, with, with a lot of people. I know some of our fans, you know, they don't love that we're playing on Black Friday. I kind of like it. Um but I understand why, uh, like, James Franklin might, might not like it. Because what's the day before Black Friday? It's Thanksgiving. And it's already, you know, kind of a crazy week. And to put a game right after Thanksgiving, it just, it, it kind of m- messes with what they normally do. And James Franklin's a creature of habit, so I knew he wouldn't really love that. Um, but another Another sneaky benefit might be, you know what the next week is, right? Yeah, that, that was just thinking the same thing, Sean. Yeah, Literally just thinking the same week. thing. Big Ten Championship. A little Big Ten Championship. So that gives us another day of rest, if in the event we make it. So just something that you want. Yeah, I mean, if it was a Friday game at East Lansing, I would be double as scared, right? You'd be have one less day. Yeah, that I, that I wouldn't like. Kind of like two less days to prepare, right? But getting out of the weather, oh my lord, I, that makes me excited. So, um, be interesting to see what happens there. That's seven thirty on NBC. Um, yeah, we'll just finish with with the scheduling for now with that. We do have four new commits to talk about. I don't have my sound bar music to play today. I don't know what that was, but um, four new commits, three of which occurred on the day I got back to Pennsylvania, so you're welcome. I brought those commits in with me. Um, but Sean, I don't think well, this like May nineteenth, maybe I don't know when this exactly. Yeah, maybe this was like May twenty second. I don't. But uh, Penn State got their quarterback. You tell us about Mister Ethan Bunkemeyer. 
Yeah, I, you know, he, another Ohio kid, uh, 6'2", 190. I, I really like his film. I mean, he, he's got a little bit of a gamer in him. Like, he loves to throw on the run. Uh, definitely has some elusiveness, uh, has some wiggle to him, and throws a really pretty ball. So, um, I, I'm kind of surprised that he's only that he's only a three star. I mean, according to twenty four seven composite, he's the seven hundred fifty second player in the country. Twenty four seven likes him a little bit more. They have him as the thirty third quarterback in the country, um, and uh, everybody has him as a three star. I think this kid's gonna rise. Uh, he is only six two one ninety, so he will have to bulk up a little bit. But if he has a big senior year, I could see this, you know, people looking back at it and going, that was a really nice pickup for Penn State. Uh, and I, I still think it is. Supposedly, he was just, uh, well, he was just at, uh, he was just camping at Penn State. And uh, according to, uh, I believe it was Daniel, Gall- Daniel Gallen, he said he was definitely the best quarterback that they had throwing there. So that's always a good thing. Um, and yeah, this is a guy that I look to rise up the, rise up the rankings a little bit. Yeah, I haven't watched any film on any of these guys yet, just to be fully transparent with everybody. Um, Elite 11 roster holder too, I believe. So yep. yeah, he I think that's another opportunity to really, uh, so he can really grow, you know, really go up the board fast there. Uh, depending on what he is able to, to accomplish there. So um, I feel like this was a, like you got to get a quarterback before like July because people that don't follow recruiting heavily, like this is the time period. Like it's not like it, you know, this isn't your October or your November or your January of the old times. Like this is when recruiting happens now, June, July, uh, and then a little bit in august as well but th- this is the time period to really figure out what you what you got and then when you're done in the summer you got to figure out what you still need so um you get one that's still probably take a second one we'll have to wait and see what the quarterbacks kind of lay out obviously penn state hasn't done great at the quarterback recruiting in this cycle if you've been following along you're, you're well aware of that um let's let's go to the next three sean um Kind of a guy, at least to me, came out of nowhere. I, I didn't know very much about Mr. Daywan Lane, uh, safety from four star safety from Gilman, Maryland, eighth best player in the state. Apparently, he knows how to hit. Apparently, friend of the pod, Zaki Wheatley's old man, coached him. Um, wh- what can you say about Lane, Sean? Yeah, uh, his coverage skills really stick out to me. He played uh, safety pretty much exclusively at Gilman. And uh, I, I did see Penn State, or, uh, it was mentioned that he could probably play linebacker at the next level, but he's pretty much exclusively a defensive back. And like you said, he could lay the wood as well. Um, and I really liked him coverage, and his, his tape is really cool. Uh, he got, and I saw him return a kicker to uh, last season and he even blocked some kicks. So he participates in special teams. Um, and, you know, I think this is a guy, classic Penn state guy that we got, uh, that we, 
we um we're kind of ahead of the curve on him a little bit. We've been recruiting him since uh, last May, and then since just April, Florida, Michigan, and Texas A&M all offer him. So this is a guy that Penn State saw early, and like I said, I love his speed. I think he has good instincts, and he likes to hit. So it's going to go a long way at, at a place like Penn State. So very happy to have Mr. Lane joining the class. Hearing a lot from his physicality standpoint, I feel like that's what Poindexter has really done a good job with. I mean, you just think about, you know, Brisker and then obviously Brown, but I mean, look at Wheatley, look at Jalen Reed, uh, look at Win- uh, Ken Winston Jr. Like, they've got some physicality to them, and I feel like he, he might fit that mold there. So, uh, be excited Definitely. to see what he can do. Got to be able to run. Got to be able to run to, to be playing in Manny Diaz's defense. Uh, Dion Barnes picks up his first defensive line commit as a defensive line coach for Penn State. Sean, who did Mr. Dion Barnes reel in? Yeah, uh, Xavier uh, Gilliam, uh, another Maryland guy, uh, James Franklin and um, – Deion Barnes has been cleaning it up in Maryland. Uh, another guy I really like, uh, off the edge, kind of probably a little overlooked right now. He um, He's a little outside of the top 1,000 uh, 1, um, in the 24-7 composite. Uh, but look, I like his, I like his film. Uh, it looks pretty good off the edge. Uh, I like his first step. Um, yeah, and we were able to... Uh, like, like he doesn't have an awesome offer sheet right now, but uh, we were able to beat out uh, James Franklin's old buddy Brett Pry because uh, it looks like they were uh, Virginia Tech was the ones that finished runner-up. So uh, happy to have him on board. And the defensive line, uh, there's still some pretty big fish out there that Penn State stands a good chance to reel in. So I think that we're just starting to see Dion Barnes's impact on the recruiting trail. So keep an eye on guys like Amaris. Um, what's his name? First name is Amaris. Williams? I'll get back to you. Yeah, Amaris Williams. Keep an eye on him. Uh, and then uh, Ernest Willer's still out there. So I still think there's some Pele, big Pele, fish. Pele. Yeah, Pele, Pele. Yeah. So good Good recruits still out there, and I don't think Deion Barnes is done yet. Yeah, I was going to say something about that, but thought's gone. Uh, Nice to see him get one under the belt. We'll see kind of where it goes. Uh, Six foot three, 260, so we'll see if Gilliam can – what he wants to be, right? Does he want to be an edge guy? Does he – you know, is he going to be playing – is he primarily going to be a, a pass rusher? Be curious to see kind of how he grows and and kind of go from there. Yeah, they might move him. Finally, Pensa goes. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you know, at, at this point, you don't know what what's going to necessarily happen here in the next year. Uh, Pensa goes back to for an offensive lineman, offensive tackle Derek Plaz, six foot five, two sixty five, three star guy. Um, couldn't tell you the number off the top of my head, Sean, but that's probably what the six offensive linemen out of this class. Does that sound about right? 
Hold on, let me count them. Five, five, five. Five? five. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're counting what's-his-face as an athlete, then? Yes, yeah, because I don't know where Brewer's going to end up. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is. Brewer. So, I do wonder, like, is this, you know, maybe the last offense, maybe we're all filled up at offensive line. Uh, but we were able to go into the state of Florida. Uh, and get uh, Mr. Derek Plaz. Um, I think you could give Phil Troutwine a round of applause for this class. Um, and look, I think there's some things to like. Uh, he's definitely very physical. The uh, thing that really stood out to me is the way he, you could just tell he loves to hit people. Uh, might get a little high in the pat, you know, he might stand up a bit quick, but there's a lot to like at his tape. So I have a feeling. No, there's a good chance this is the last offensive lineman in the class, uh, which, cool. Uh, this is a, another really impressive haul, and that's the way you build. Uh, that's the way you build good offensive lines for years to come. You just stack classes and stack talent and develop that talent. So, I mean, I don't think there's enough good words to say about Phil Troutwine right now. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, Phil, Phil Troutwine, I mean, we're all aboard the Phil Troutwine train at this point. I mean, he's doing a fantastic job. I saw Garrett Sexton committed offensive line was, I think, visiting this upcoming weekend. Um, I'm not sure if there are a couple other offensive linemen that are committed that are visiting as well. Yeah, this but is a big... Uh, I know Sexton... Big, yeah, this is a big uh, weekend for current recruits. So I think, there are, I think most of them are going to be up there. Sean, who else should we be keeping an eye on that, that will be visiting? Do you have any idea? Uh, Malachi Williams, uh, I think there's just a crystal ball put in for him. Um, but who else? Uh, Mars Williams visited last week. Um, Peter Gonzalez, I think he visits uh, either this week or next week. He just camped at Penn State. And he did well. Uh, he's coming off an ACL tear. He's a wide receiver. Probably went to Pittsburgh. Uh, and they were really curious to see how he'd run. And I think he ran in the 4-5 somewhere. So that's right about where they wanted him to be. So I think he's a, I think he's a green light. So that's a guy that I could see definitely committing to Penn State at some point this month. Um. Nick Marsh is another guy to keep an eye on. Another, though, he's a very, very talented receiver. Um, so uh, from uh, from Mich from out at Michigan. Uh, so he will be visiting this week as well. So I don't know if he's at commit watch necessarily, but uh, definitely some good mojo uh, for Penn State right now in his recruitment. Yeah, it looks like look here are the commits that are gonna be. This is from Nittany Sports now. Here are the commits of all everyone who's gonna be on campus. Um, twelve of the seventeen I've tweeted that they're gonna be officially on campus. Quentin Martin, Donovan Harbor, Cooper Cousins, John Mitchell, 
Corey Smith, Garrett Sexton, Anthony Specka, Kenneth Wosley, Ethan Grunkmeyer, Caleb Brewer, Antoine Belgrave Shorter. So both Mitchell and Shorter coming all the way up from Florida. And then Luke Reynolds, who's who's bounced up the uh, the recruiting a little bit as well already. So uh, yeah, Sean, Sean was right on. There's there's a lot of the guys coming this weekend that are committed to Penn State. I mean, why wouldn't you want to come? I mean, best place on earth. But uh, yeah, so uh, big month. And it just seems like Penn State, uh, there's something about those official visits at Penn State. And we've talked about that extensively. Uh, I don't think anybody was hurt more in the pandemic than Penn State. And, you know, weekends like this past weekend really show you that, where we, you know, come out with three commits. Doesn't hurt that Corey just came back in the country. That also helps um, put the universe back in balance. But, you know, when... There's something I don't know. There's just something about taking official visits at Penn State that just keeps that just makes guys feel at home. And hell, even guys we don't end up with, like they just talk incessantly about how great of a place Penn State was and how tough of a place it is to say no to. So uh, hopefully that trend keeps up. It's always good to again mention too that, like, you know why or or how much COVID affected that, right? And, and just the difference it makes. Penn State has really got back. There's a little bit of a lull there, and a lot of that can be contributed or attributed to, uh, to, to, to COVID because, man, they are just recruiting back to where they were, if not better than they were before COVID. So um, don't have to be worried about that, I think, moving forward. We do have a little bit of bad news, and that is that 2023 commit and currently on campus tight end Mega Barnwell has officially left the program. It was kind of a tweener as far as what position he was going to play. Don't know the specifics or the reasons yet, but he is no longer a part of the program. Does free up a scholarship at a position where they did have a lot of depth, but Mega, Mega Barnwell was a guy that had a lot of promise as far as just straight up talent and athleticism, maybe not a surefire of where he would play, but he was a guy that you were hoping maybe you could groom down the road that, that athletically uh, would, would help your team out some way, shape or form. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to feel. I think you have to feel bad. Uh, Mega Barnwell was an early, early commit to Penn State, and I think it was. It's one of those things. Listening to James Franklin when he was asked about Mega Barnwell at uh, Media Day, at uh, Signing Day Media Day, and. He just kind of said, yeah, we're going to try him at tight end and, you know, see what happens. And my guess, and this is me speculating, Mega Barnwell probably wants to be a tight end for Penn State. Maybe they saw him as more of an offensive tackle and differences just couldn't really be reconciled. So, unfortunately, it means, uh, you know, he left the program and we wish him nothing but the best. I just wish it could have worked out for him. 
Yeah, you could say that his future was as hazy as it is across Pennsylvania right now. Uh, dude, how is it out there? You know, it's actually not bad out here. You know, I was looking at it. It's kind of like a little, like, whiplash. Like, it's kind of like coming down left, and then it's screaming across the state. And so, like, literally the entire state's getting it. And so I think it kind of, like, comes and goes. But maybe we just have enough trees, and we got, like, we're just above the mountain. I don't really know, but it hasn't been awful up here. Um, it was hazy, but I don't I, – I mean, I wasn't, like, checking the air quality index every second. But some of the pictures people have been showing us of, like, people said they were at Innovation Park and they couldn't even see Mount Nittany. Um, JDR, good friend of ours, he, uh, he he's had pictures of, of Philly and, and – and a New York Stadium and Yankee Stadium, excuse me, and uh, and it looked like the world was ending out there. So I don't know what exactly is all going on. Um, I know the, the it's the wildfires in Canada, but it's crazy the way that the, like the wind is taking this. It's like a it's like a like a washing machine of smoke. I know it's uh so this afternoon. Uh, I actually tweeted a little bit about it. It was in the 380s, the air index, and that's considered hazardous, anything above 300. It's now in Scranton at 287, which is considered very unhealthy. And, you know, when you go out there, I mean, it, it, it's like people start coughing. Uh, my fiance um actually went to the grocery store and she couldn't stop sneezing when she got out when she got to her car so it's just one of the most bizarre things i've ever seen and i know for people on the west coast especially in california oregon i mean wildfires it's just kind of a you know i think california is beautiful but it's just kind of a part of life out there uh we're just not used to it out here um but you know, it's one of those when, things. When that... I went out to California, when I went out to California to help with wildfires in 2020, it was, we had arborists with us, and their con- or their contractor company wouldn't let them work outside for more than an hour or two hours if it was over 200 for the whole day so that that's kind of like the limit you put on there so if you're over 200 and you're working outside for more than two hours like you're 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 not doing good stuff and we had full-on respirators like with us so i mean it's it seems silly but when you get into the 200s I mean, it's not like a oh, you're just gonna be breathing it in for one or two days. Like it's not the end of the world. Like you, you really shouldn't breathe that stuff in. And again, at three hundred, it's like now you're really you're really talking about some bad, bad stuff. And unfortunately, um, the the like the homemade COVID masks aren't gonna help with with air particles going through you can get like some of those really like the really nice masks can help a little bit mm-hmm. but i mean really at a certain point it, it kind of depends on the particulate matter size but really 
uh, if you're going to be out for a long period of time in 300, 200, you really need a respirator. Like, that's just the bottom line. So be careful. I, I think it's going to happen for, like, the rest of the week. So I don't think it's going away anytime soon. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's my word of advice from my experiences out in the in the wildfires. You went out to fight wildfires in California? No, I wasn't out. We were actually there to help clean up hazardous waste. Really? Um, I did not know that. And so we weren't like, yeah, we weren't like obviously right. Well, the one when we were out in Fresno, or just north of Fresno, really, uh, the fire hadn't 100% been contained yet. So we were still getting a lot of smoke specifically for that fire. I was in Santa Cruz for a little bit, and that fire was pretty much already all gone. But, uh, yeah, you'd be surprised. These fires happen, and a lot of people don't realize that, okay, you can't just go back to your house, bulldozer the rubble out of the way, and then start building right away. Like, you can, but that's not the right way to do it. There's a lot of hazardous waste that people don't realize whether it's asbestos or, you know, ammunition. We had li- we had li- live ammunition going off that didn't completely burn up right away. Um, there's just a lot of random things that you don't think about, and obviously chemical waste too, that you can't just let stay there because it gets into the the water table. But also you can't just collect it all and take it to the dump either. So uh, if for a reason you were in that situation make sure to and and it was all free for them they just let us do it but uh a lot of people didn't know that and how it all kind of has to get done very interesting this is this is why we have Corey here yep that's, I, that's I, what i'm here for did not know that yeah a lot of people don't like waiting because it's the government and they don't want the government on their property and i get all that but it is free so if you just wait, yeah. they'll do it for you. Some people just didn't want to wait, but um, well, Corey, it is, their, it, it is their freedom to breathe in their asbestos. That's true. You know, this it, it wasn't as much as the asbestos is like. You'd be surprised how unsafe people are at getting rid of stuff. Like, just terrifying how unsafe people are. Like, you don't know where nails are. You don't know what. I mean, and, and also people don't realize how hot these fires get. Like, you see cars that have been completely melted to absolutely nothing. And you get things, you know, things melt at a certain temperature. Things that don't usually melt still will melt if they get hot enough. And so mm-hmm. even if your house isn't made out of wood, it's it's still going to burn. And so, um, yeah, cars, saw, in Santa Cruz, I saw so many, like, Ferraris and Corvettes and just melted to nothing because a lot of the, you know, most of the trucks and cars nowadays are like mostly plastic for the most part. And so anyway, it was crazy. People's boats, boats just completely melted into nothing. But uh, I'll show you some pictures sometime. I got some cool pictures, Sean. But uh, anyway, be careful with the air. It's it's nasty. It's, It's not fun to be breathing in. And so be careful with that. Don't be, you know, taking it lightly just because you think it's just for a day or two. If it's over 200, I would really consider not not putting myself in that position if I didn't have to. So um, speaking of putting yourself in a position, best transition I got. Sean, would you like to pay $10,000 a year 
for a membership to be a part. Did you see, did you see the tunnel membership? Yeah. Yeah, the inter- Penn State Twitter had a fun day with that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I not. <laughs> That's my answer. I just, I mean, I get who they're going after, I guess. But I don't even, even if I could afford that, and not even, like, afford that. I mean, even if I could comfortably afford that to, like, that's who they're looking for. I I still don't think I would do that. Maybe I would. If I was a millionaire, maybe I would look at that and say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. But I don't think I would. I would I would take a suite over that any day of the week, and I don't I just don't think it would be even close. But I mean, regardless, they're trying to find their way, and they're trying to find another way to raise money. And if I'm watching live for whatever reason, let's say I'm not live at the whiteout game, and I'm watching live, and I see like the people in the tunnel drinking their old fashions while Penn State runs out on the field, it's actually gonna piss me off. <laughs> Like, yeah, like I don't want to yep. see into that room. Well, <laughs> yeah, like, but know, um, just... now that being said, if somebody invites me, if somebody invites me, I'm I'm not gonna say no. I don't go in there and watch that. I guess. I mean, I don't think they stay in there. Do they stay in there and watch the game then from inside there? So they only I, see I them for those. I think so, like... Corey. I think so. I mean, which 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 doesn't. Again, that's another reason why. Even if I was rich, which I'm not. But if I was, I agree with you. I'd either get a, you know, I feel like I'd want to be part of the stadium. Like, I feel like if I was, if I was rich, I would still like a, a nice seat, but also have the option to get a luxury box for like cold weather games and stuff. But I still want to be able to watch the actual game. I wouldn't want to just be in some like little club. Where I just see the players run out, then I gotta watch the game on TV. I mean, to me, it defeats the purpose of being there. Yeah. I mean, I, thought it was funny I, I just don't, I don't 10, get it. $10,000. I mean, would it you make you feel be- better if you get to watch other things in there for four or five other events? Well, I was gonna say that. I mean, With- is the is the whole idea that it's only open on game days? Because if it wasn't, like, you know, maybe you could watch basketball games. They're, they're, you, you know, like they're doing club. five that other events. Okay. Um, then I could so understand it a bit. At least, more, but... at least five other. Yeah. Like if you could watch like the Super Bowl and whatever. Um, maybe, but it's just not my cup of tea to be honest with you. And like you said, I do feel like it kind of takes away from. You know, you see James Franklin walking out, ar- you know, arms locked with his guys, and then, oh, some rich guys on the side. <laughs> it's going to be just, kind of bizarre. I was drinking a tequila sunrise. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be weird. Well, like, if any of those... A bit odd, but okay. <laughs> How about this? If, if anyone listening is considering purchasing this $10,000 tunnel membership, Provide that $10,000 to us instead. We will jump up and down as many times as you want with Oreos between our butt cheeks. I don't care. That way better use of your money than that. No knock on Penn State. Well, kind of a knock on Penn State. But 
come up with something better than that. Because I, I just, if there was a way, if you were paying like $25 a ticket or even $50 a ticket, it like to add that on to your ticket so you could watch the, like from the tunnel for that and then you'd go to your seat. I could see people paying like $50 to do that once a game, right? Or something like that. And, you know, right. it's a raffle or it's a lottery or something like that. And, you know, maybe you pay an extra $10 of your ticket just to be in the lottery for it. And maybe you get it, maybe you don't. And you can $10 every time and maybe you'll win it and you'll get to go in there. I don't know. Something like that makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, but for the entire duration of the game, I think it's kind of weird. Um, but but whatever. I, I don't want to talk too much on it, but I thought it was funny I had to mention it to you. But but for all you for all you poor mofos out there, you're still peeing in troughs. I mean, like we still got the troughs. Yes. It's just you know, it, it's Let just funny the way it's just funny the way it works because it's it's kind of a microcosm of society, you know. You the luxury boxes, they're always getting renovated, and they got the nice escalator up there, and, uh, you know, and now they're putting this thing in. We're still peeing in troughs. <laughs> I mean, it's just funny the way it is. You know, it's just like the Roman the Roman Coliseums back in the day, right? I mean, there's no difference there. You had super poor people that were still watching the fights in a completely different experience than the super right. rich people were. I mean, there's it, really no difference. Um, yep. I would argue that not many poor people, like poor people, can be going to Beaver Stadium the same way they yeah. were able to go to the Coliseum. But the point still is there's definitely levels to the experience um, at Beaver Stadium. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I... Totally agree. I mean, it's just two different, two different worlds. Uh, one much smaller and way wealthier, <laughs> and than everybody else. <laughs> Sean, I wanted to ask you about this comment because you're the one that saw this. James Franklin, I think this is on Joel Klatt's show, was uh, basically said that, yeah, we're pre- we're preparing for West Virginia. But yeah, we're actually, you know, we're sneaking around and, you know, we're preparing for Ohio State and Michigan, too. And that is completely not what he's preached for the last, what, nine years now he's been at Penn State. Um, it is very similar to what we've heard other coaches say. I mean, uh, Davo Sweeney, when Clemson beat Notre Dame and then beat Alabama for the national championship, he straight up told everybody that they've been preparing for Alabama this entire time. They only spent a a week preparing for Notre Dame, and then I spent the rest of the time preparing for Alabama, <laughs> which is just such a knock and disrespectful knock on Notre Dame. I love it, but I mean, this is kind of like what it is, and I I don't know if James like I I'm not gonna sit here because I know for a fact it's not how we do things during the season. Like they're preparing for Michigan and Ohio State more previously too, but to straight out come out and say like yeah we're preparing for West Virginia. But also, we're, we're we're preparing for Michigan and Ohio State as well. He said some similar things, I would say, in the summer before. But this definitely seems like another step above that. Like it seemed like we know what we need to do, and we're gonna try to improve our odds. I and mean, that's what it, that's what it sounded like. Yeah, that's how I read it too. I mean, you know, 
James Franklin is a very, uh, although he can be stubborn, no doubt about it, he's very um, introspective and, you know, definitely tries to look at what needs to improve. And in most areas in the program, like go back to when he first got here, uh, he's done it. He's improved a lot of different things. Uh, some some have taken longer than others, but you know generally he has. And one of the things that just hasn't worked is beating Ohio State and beating good Michigan teams. Like if you look at the teams Penn State has beaten uh, since Jim Harbaugh has gotten to Michigan, the 2017 Michigan team wasn't that great. Uh, same thing with 2019. 2020, it was probably the worst Michigan team maybe ever there. And, you know, we got our doors blown off of us in 2016, uh, 2018, and uh, 2021 was close. And uh, in 2022. So there's got to be a different approach to those, to those games because this approach just is not working. So I'm happy to see James Franklin doing that and doing it publicly. And look, do I think some of it was always coach coach speak? I do. I do. Uh, I think a lot of that was for the players to just be focused every week and avoid upsets, which uh, to Franklin's credit, usually they're pretty successful in doing. They don't, they, they don't get upset a lot. They really don't um, uh, compared to other teams. Take 2020 out of it. Uh, Penn State typically takes care of business against teams they're supposed to, but it's about beating those better teams that you play every year that they've struggled. I mean, we haven't beaten Ohio State in a long, long time, and top-level Michigan teams just haven't been able to do it yet. So I think it's a welcome change, and I hope it could pay off on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Don't know exactly what they're doing, but yeah, sure. Why not? Can't right, hurt. Yeah, I it think, could be nothing. Unless we lose to West Virginia. Yeah. Well, um, Sean, the only thing I have left. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. no. I'm good. Okay. Well, the only thing I had left was just some fan questions here. Let's hear them. Oh, you know what? Wait, wait a second. I think we have a couple five-star reviews to read first. Ooh. Reviewing us when we're on our hiatus. Yes, kind of. Let's see if I can get this to pop up. Yeah. Sweet. I think I have two. Yes. This is on May 12th from RTA2120. Thank you. Uh, best Penn State football podcast. Five stars. My go-to Penn State football podcast. Informative and entertaining. Short and sweet. Thank you, RTA. Thank you. Um, I don't know if you reached out to us. Reach out to us via Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. We'll get you a sticker if we haven't already. Um, that was back in May, so I may have done that before I left, but I'm not sure. Um, and then another one on May 15th, PSU Lion It W, best Penn State podcast, five stars. 
best Penn State podcast around, very informative. So we got back-to-back informatives, and then we went on a month break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're back to one. hundred and yes, yes, we are. Uh, we're at 110 ratings, so thank you guys for that. We're 90 away from a pizza party, so get to 200. We'll send pizza to a random um, listener, and we'll have pizza for ourselves as well because it's important to celebrate accomplishments. Uh, if you're curious, we're on Apple Podcasts alone. We're sitting at 4.7 out of 5. I One person gives us a bad rating, and it's, like, impossible to get back to 4.8. I'm convinced of it, which... We haven't had a bad rating for a while, but that's just the way it is. So um, we'd like to get back to the 4.8 world. We were there for a little bit, but I don't even know. Like 4.7 ain't bad. 4.7 ain't bad at all. Um, I did was going to say we do have a five-star rating on Spotify, Spotify with 32 ratings in. So um, you can rate us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. If you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on the show. But a five-star rating on either place, let us know with a picture or proof or something, and we'll send you a sticker for that as well. But uh, thank you guys so much. Keep those coming. Let's get into fan questions. We've got one, two, three, four of them. I don't think they're going to take up too much room. I'm going to leave Einstein, Von Braun, Mr. Misters for last. Um Let's start with a funny one. This is from R. Scats, who I believe dropped us a five-star review a little bit ago. Uh, which current player, Sean, shows up to the summer barbecue in the beat-up old Nikes he's had since the ninth grade? So which current player showing up to your summer barbecue in the beat-up Nikes that he's had since middle school? Well, honestly, from... Yeah. Uh, like. No, 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 you got it. Oh, no, I thought you said something. Um, honestly, from the sound of it and from the sound of, you know, the personalities of, of the guys, I might go with Nick Singleton. Like, I know they were kind of busting his chops a little bit, saying that he needed to come up with, like, a better celebration. And some of his celebrations did look a bit awkward. So I could just kind of see him being the guy, <laughs> being the guy that does that. But, um, you know, I, I'm one to talk. I've had the same Nikes that I still wear since 2019. So I, I think I would be the guy with Nick Singleton at the barbecue. Hmm, I like the Nick Singleton pick. I hadn't even thought about Nick Singleton. I think that's a I think that's a really good pick. Um, cool. I'm going to go with... Uh, the pride and joy sauce man himself <laughs> if I can remember his name <laughs> Dom DeLuca thank you I'm going to go with Dom DeLuca that's his new nickname sauce man have you got a sauce yet by the way I have not I have to get down to West Pittston you really need to um I feel like he would show up with some beat up Nikes as well. He's not, a, he doesn't seem like he's a very stylish man. I don't know for sure, but that's, that's what I'm thinking there. Maybe a Landon Tangwall. It kind of falls into that a little bit. I'm not sure, but um, you could probably maybe argue for a lot of the offensive linemen. I was thinking 
and Caden Walls too, perhaps. But uh, I don't know. Like, do those guys like? I don't know when they grew grow, but like their feet probably are a lot bigger than they were in the trade. So yeah, maybe not offensive that's, line. That's true. That's true. Yeah, because I was uh, thinking. Uh, I was thinking Obu. Yeah, I was thinking Obu too for a second. But that's a good point about their feet getting a lot bigger. Right. Um, Dorito Bandit, longtime listener of the show. Which of the three most recent commits are you most excited about, Sean? Um, I'll go with the one lane. Um, just a fun highlight to watch. Uh you know, again, uh, versus versatility, I can see him maybe playing linebacker at the next level. Uh, and he's a hell of a defensive back. Um, I think there's a lot to like from a coverage aspect and also from just uh, loving a hit. So I'd go with Dewan Lane. I haven't watched any film on them, so I'm going to abstain from the question. But I, I think that's the safe answer, Sean, so I respect it. Um. Okay, this next question is from Will Gamble. Do you guys think Penn State can split the Ohio State and Michigan games? Yes, I think they can. Uh, I would honestly argue they have a better chance of doing it than any previous, recent previous, previous year, probably going back before COVID. So I, I think if you're putting money down, I would say this is probably your best opportunity to maybe cash in on, on on splitting them. But honestly, you could probably cash in or at least have a feel decent chance about maybe even winning both of them, which I know is saying a lot. But Ohio State, I think their defense is going to be pretty good, but they're going to have a new quarterback in Kyle McCord. Michigan, I, I think they're going to be really good too, but you get them at home. And so it's look, Ohio State and Michigan's not those are not easy teams to beat. There's a reason three teams are in the top seven to start the year. But if you're if you're trying to, you know, play this game, I think this is a year where Penn State, you gotta feel at least better about it. So um do you guys think Penn State can split the Ohio State Michigan game? I'm gonna say uh, yeah. Yes. Sure they could. I mean all that really means is um, <laughs> I'm going to sound like I'm going to be like uh, the Booker McFarlane meme. All, uh, meme. Um, you know, all it means is just winning one of the games. And do I think you could beat Michigan on a given Saturday? Yeah. Do I think you could beat Ohio State on a given Saturday? Yeah. Uh, of course, the challenge is going to be to do it. And while I think they could, I mean, Will they? I don't know. You gotta listen to season preview. Can't wait for the season preview. It's gonna be I know. fantastic. I have to be very, I have to be very careful with the words I say at this point. Yes, they're gonna they're gonna come back and get you. Um, yep. Yeah, season preview is not that far far away. We got like what. Two and a half months, months. to the season yeah. preview. Yeah, can't believe that. Um, okay, let's go to Einstein von Braun. Huge fan of the show, longtime listener, Mr. 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 Um, 
His question. With the recent data showing that Big Ten plays a much harder out-of-conference schedule than the SEC, is there an argument to be made that a Big Ten team has a much tougher road to the playoffs than an SEC team since they are constantly playing Power 5 teams and not little sisters of the poor college? <laughs> Sean, I'll let you go first. Um... I think it depends on the team. So if you're in the SEC East, I think the answer is yes. I think the SEC East, it, it, it's just the middle of the road division in college football. Like it's better, it's better than the Big Ten West, um, but it's not nearly as good as the Big Ten East, and it's not as good as the SEC West. Uh, if you're a team, um, if you're a team that plays in the West, though. Yeah, I mean, I think it's at least just as tough, probably a tougher road, because not only do you have to win the division, you also have to go beat Georgia most times. Uh, sometimes you could get in if you lost to them, but you have to go. That means you have to pretty much go unbeaten through the SC, your, your schedule in the SEC. And then, you know, and then you could afford a loss to Georgia. But then if you trip up against LSU, who I think is going to be really good this year, uh, then you have to beat Georgia. And that's a tall task. So I would say it is it is uh, more daunting for SEC West teams. Um, but SECs, no. No, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, I get what people are saying, right? But people really don't like when the SEC team plays a really bad team right before the rivalry week. And I get that. I, I don't like it either. But there is an argument to be made about would you rather play, you know, Penn State's schedule or would you rather play, I don't know, um, Auburn schedule at the end of the year. So, like, you might yeah. get, you know, whoever, Samford, but you're going to get Alabama to end the year. And I, I would argue you'd take, you know, Michigan State and whoever, Rutgers and whatever else is nonsense there, over that, mostly just because you don't have to play Alabama. And so, in my opinion, until the Big Ten – is able to take that next step and, and win the championship. Uh, and, and honestly, maybe just get more teams to the championship would be a better, smaller step. I, I, I don't think you can say it, it's it's tougher. And you got to be careful with the Power Five slang, too, because, I mean, there's some bad Power Five teams, too. So, like, just playing right. Power Five doesn't necessarily mean it's better. And... I mean, that's just the way it is. And so as long as the SEC has the two best teams, which I think we can all agree they do at this moment in Alabama and Georgia, I, I think it's hard to say anything else. And, and like you said, I mean, Tennessee, they just made a, a pretty solid jump. Uh, South Carolina, they're moving in the right direction. So the SEC East doesn't look as bad as it has been. And then I agree with you about the SEC West. I mean, I talked to a lot of my Auburn buddies, and they're, like, pretty optimistic about this year. And I'm like, there's no way you guys win six games. 
I mean, it's not going to happen. I mean, they got, like, no chance really of winning six games because look who they got. I mean, they're not going to beat Alabama. They're not going to beat LSU. They're not going to beat – most likely they're not going to beat Texas A&M. They're not going to beat Ole Miss. They, I think they're on the road at Arkansas, Georgia. and K.J. Jefferson's back. And you play across – and you play Georgia. So there's six losses right there. So you might be missing – State and I mean, what what are we talking about here? So yeah, and maybe um, one of those other teams yeah. up against them. I mean, so you're looking at six or seven wins, maybe. But right. Like, look at look at Michigan's schedule now. Score. Yeah, like look at Michigan's schedule now. Of course, they play us in um in Ohio State. Obviously, they're going to be tough games. If they play East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, I mean, that's a pathetic out-of-conference schedule. Those are three teams that they're going to devour. And then when you, okay, like, yeah, they only play three non-conference teams, but they still play Rutgers, who they're going to beat by a million points. They still play Indiana, who they're going to pound into submission. They still play Purdue, who that's going to be a rebuilding year. So, uh, and and Nebraska, who has a first-year coach. So it's not like it's, some something that like, like like what you said, Corey, just because it says Big Ten next to their name doesn't mean they're going to be all that much to worry about. Yeah. Now, I get I, I get it all. Um, that being said, I think somebody had, I don't know what author it was, had a good point about no team has won the national championship that has played nine conference games. It's never happened. Back in 2014, Ohio State was only playing eight. And mm-hmm. so between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, nobody – and I think the Big 12 left for a little bit there, maybe. Um, ACC and SEC are playing eight, and they've won championships. Big Ten is not. And it's slightly a coincidence, but, I mean, at the end, you know, it doesn't help things either. You could, you could put, you know, maybe – you can argue for Penn State's situation if they just don't play Minnesota that one year in 2019. Maybe that gets them into the playoff. I don't know. Um, who knows what happens if they don't play Minnesota? They probably don't lose to Michigan. They play Michigan State the following week. I don't know. I get confused uh, about that. But the point is, they would have Minnesota. Yes, they, lost. yes, they did. Yes, they did. That was a that was a, so, that was a season where um, our schedule is very backloaded. Right, right. So, um, so, or you could argue even in 2021, they don't play Iowa, perhaps, maybe, as one less conference game. So, and who knows what happens in 2021 then if they don't play Iowa and, and, and Clifford doesn't get hurt. And, so, and, you, you see what I'm saying is there are yeah. some, some, there are some things about not playing a conference game, but when you don't play that conference game, what are you going to do elsewhere? You got to give the SEC some credit. Like Georgia wanted to play Oklahoma. Alabama has played a lot, a bunch of different people. Auburn has played Penn State. Um, LSU just played Florida State. I mean, they do play. Um, they get out there and they play some teams, and a lot of them play some ACC teams. End of year, Florida State, Georgia Tech. I yep. know not great, but still, uh, Clemson and South Carolina play. Um, so they've got some. They've got some additional games against some Power Five at the end of the year, as well. So and I, don't, I, 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 I want to push it and promote 
the Big Ten and whatever, but right now it's just not easy to do when Georgia Bama are dominating. Yeah, and look, I don't begrudge the SEC at all. I wish we all, I wish we played four out of conference games still. Uh, part and it's not all about just getting an advantage. Like it would give you flexibility with scheduling. Like I, for one, would be totally fine playing Pitt every year if we had four out of conference games. I really would, and I'm right now I wouldn't. But that's kind of my big sticking point is we would have to play Pitt every year which means you basically have to find two cream puffs to play. Uh, and you, you're, you're never able to diversify your schedule at all. Um, so I just wouldn't want to do that. Now, if we played four out of conference games, then sure, I'd be fine with playing Pitt. Um, and yeah, from a strategic aspect, yeah. I mean, sure, it, it would help, you know, <laughs> before we play Michigan State every year or whoever we're going to play last game of the season. I mean, it might be USC or UCLA now. Um, or whoever, um, yeah, would help playing a team that we're just going to pummel. Sure it would. Like, we kind of get a little bit of a taste of it this year, playing UMass right before Ohio State. I mean, I think that really, I think that could really help us, that we're going to, we're going to have a bye, and then UMass, but that's that's just kind of coincidence. If that's a difference. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Fantastic. And and we hadn't even talked about the bye, before you, we we avoid the by hurting yeah, us. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of love that. By the playing UMass. UMass, yeah. Yeah, me too. And you kind of like, you kind of get the 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 legs warmed up, and you kind of get the what you call it. I mean, your your uh, any sort of rust shaken off. And you're, and you're good to go, and you're motivated and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I, I don't like the buy before the big game. I really don't. Not with James Franklin, coach. If you're Andy, yeah. you're, <laughs> Andy Reid, you were, like, undefeated with with the game after a bye for a long time there in the NFL. Um, yeah, some but, coaches just yeah. struggle with things. Like, Jim Harbaugh before – I don't know what he does before bowl games, but his teams <laughs> are always flattened. I don't know what we do during our bye week. I mean, some some coaches they just have their their demons, and that's James's. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sean, it was nice to be back. I'm glad yeah. we were able to get through awesome. this episode. <laughs> um, yeah. we'll tentatively be back next week, and we'll we'll kind of just play it by ear by a little bit. Schedule might change by a day or two, but we'll figure it out. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you made it this far, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this podcast. Again, we'll be back live on YouTube as well in July. Um, but until then, we'll just be podcast over. So thank you so much for listening. Sean, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, just glad to be back. Um, you know, it was a big eventful month for us, and we're just happy to be talking to you guys again. You're going to be hearing a lot from us this summer, and then it'll be the fall. So you'll be hearing from us twice a week before you know it. So, yeah, we'll be seeing you later. Yeah, it's, uh, I got to think it's going to creep up faster than, than even last year. It's like, like it's already June, like, you know, crazy. So, yeah, it's here before you know. Yeah. Well, for Sean Kane, I'm Corey Lestoke. You've been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. Until next time. Talk to you guys all later.
care, everybody. Hopefully, the uh, the smoke calms down before the weekend. Everyone has a good weekend. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.